0: This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter.
1: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN
2: 1000. Chicago's
0: home for sports. Every weeknight that we're on, we take care of you with something NFL draft, something Bears at 8 o'clock. And we're going to do it here on this Monday night with Kevin Fishbane, friend of the program from TheAthletic.com. Go to TheAthletic.com as we have our conversation and Kevin joins me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000. Kev, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the
2: show. Absolutely. Good to be with you.
0: Uh, let me check in with you and your family. How's everything uh, in your home right now um, with all the COVID-19 that we've been dealing with?
2: Uh, we're very thankful, Jonathan. I appreciate you asking. We're we're doing well, and the NFL is certainly uh, keeping me busy. Are you doing good?
0: Yeah. Hanging in there. Absolutely. Staying safe and uh Everything is good. Everything is good. You know what's, what's really weird, Kevin, is during this time between now and I would say maybe June, it's hard to to go through and watch the coverage when you have bad allergies, when you're sneezing and when you're coughing and you're like, and now you're second-guessing, like, what is going on with me because of hay fever? So, so thank goodness I got some Claritin and some other things just to kind of keep that down. But it's, it's a little scary because you don't know, like, okay, this is allergies, right? And you had to kind of think, think to yourself: "Am I okay?" And and I'm okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, good to hear that. I, I hear you on that, Jonathan.
0: <laughs> no question. So once again, you um, are cranking out uh, great features and columns like great albums here. You and Adam Johns: How an updated Bears draft chart impacts the team's draft needs. This is perfect. This is a perfect. Way to get ready for the draft. And so I'll ask you this. Let's go to the defense first because I won't go with the low hanging fruit with the offense. Let's go to the defense because your point is well made when you talk about the defense, the defensive line being the strength of the team. The Bears continue to seem to get this right more times than not, don't they?
2: They really do. And I actually am working on something for later this week, Jonathan, looking at some of these positions that they don't draft and develop like they have the defensive line. I mean, they've done this. They've worked with this position group perfectly, from Eddie Goldman and Bilal Nichols being good draft picks to striking gold with Akeem Hicks in free agency, and then you get an undrafted guy in Roy Robertson Harris who's turned out to be a good player for you. You've had other good players run through there like Nick Williams um, and a great position coach in Jay Rogers. I mean, they would love for any other position on this team to uh, have that kind of ability to just reload instead of having to rebuild and spend a lot of money and spend draft resources. But that's kind of been the spot that, they, that year after year after year it's been their strength. How do you
0: assess Robertson Harris at the end? We know Akeem Hicks, when healthy, is a devastating player. Goldman at the nose. all Nichols is shown. But what do you think of Robertson Harris? Because as you mentioned, he's going to be in a contract year. What do you think his upside is?
2: Yeah, you know the, the Bears gave you a little taste of what they think by giving him a second round tender, which is uh, you know significantly more money than he would have gotten on what was called the original round tender. And it also tells you, Jonathan, that they have a better feeling about Robertson Harris than they did about Bryce Callahan a couple years ago, and how they did about Cameron Meredith a couple years ago. Uh, the thing about Robertson Harris is the guy's got—you know—he's he, a physical specimen. Um, you know, he's got the length and speed of an edge rusher, which what he played in college. He was fantastic in that opener last year against Green Bay. And we didn't necessarily see those splash impact plays from him enough as the year went on. And, you know, some of that might have been losing to Keem Hicks, uh, in the London game. Um, but there's certainly a lot that they believe they can continue to work with and grow. Um, and for him, there's going to be a ton of motivation to have a big year. Uh, you know, could be a lot of money coming coming his way.
0: Also, on the defense, let's talk about the corner spot because we're very strong with Kyle Fuller. I mean, that guy's a difference-making player. Uh, Screen at the nickel, now at the right side of that cornerback spot with Tolliver, Artie Burns, who I see is more of a special teams guy. I think that uh, what I'm looking at here, Kevin, for the draft is to be able to bolster that position and look into free agency if that's possible. What what do you think of Tolliver, um, and do you think that the Bears are going to address this here in the f- next few days?
2: Yeah, you know, you, you just named three guys that none of them are proven, and you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, Roberson's has never played an NFL game. I think Tolliver might have the physical skill set that you're looking for, but he's still an undrafted guy. Um, you know, he was inactive the first couple of games this past season, then stepped in for Amu Kabara late. Uh, so you, you, you kind of an idea what you have with him. They were really hopeful about him last spring. Um, so there is a lot that they like. Uh, I'm just not sure if they're ready to give him the job day one. You mentioned Artie Burns. Showed promise early in his career at Pittsburgh. Really kind of fell off there, and, and that's kind of a all right change of scenery. I, I think that this is a, a, a position that if they want to go ahead and draft a guy in round two and, and still make this guy, make, make whoever it is, compete, for that role, I think you're in a good spot because, you know, Kyle Fuller's a huge cap number in 2021, and then that, his that contract voids. So you got to start thinking about the future here uh, at corner. I, I'm very curious to see You know, that this is one of those positions they don't really draft corners. Uh, they haven't in the first three rounds since Kyle Fuller in 2014. Um, but they might be sitting there thinking, we really like Kevin Tolliver. We think we have some intrigue in Roberson and Burns. We're fine. We don't need to use a premium draft pick on the spot. So that's just one of those things, Jonathan, where it's going to be really interesting where the draft will tell us a little bit about what they think of these guys. But because we're not going to have OTAs in minicamp, presumably, we're really not going to have any idea what the coaches really think about some of these open positions until whenever it is we get to see the team on the field.
0: Kevin Fishbane from theathletic.com go to the website theathletic.com uh, with your breakthrough uh, your breakdown of the Chicago Bears in the draft joins me Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 so Kevin you've rang this bell a couple times regarding Trevathan uh at inside linebacker and the th- the bell that you would ring is like okay so you're going to go with Trevathan even though um, we could take a look at Nick Kwiatkowski, someone who's younger, and it seems like the money is pretty similar. Do I have that right? The the money that Kwiatkowski signed for and what Trevathan signed for is somewhat similar, even though, again, Trevathan is older than Nick was?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, virtually identical when you looked at some of the particulars of those contracts. I, and, you know, I, I think it might be... I, I was a little surprised Trevathan got as much money as he did. It is very rare... At that position, at that age, with his injury history, to get that kind of contract. Um, that does not happen very much. So, you know, that says a lot, I think, about the Bears Valley and what he brings to the locker room. Um, a little bit more of a leader, uh, you know, vocal leader than Kwiatkowski is. And, I mean, and frankly, when healthy, there's no question Trevason's a better player than Nick Kwiatkowski. So, you know, I, 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 can, I can see the. You know why they felt comfortable with that money, even though there's the age gap there, because you know Trae's a better player. Um, But yeah, you're you're obviously taking a risk there when a guy once a guy hits 30 and he has an injury history. Now, granted, I think last year's injury was a bit of a freak injury. Um, You know, his elbow just bent the wrong way. It's not the type of thing that's going to be a lingering situation that should impact him this season. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think there was some money there. Part of that contract, in their mind, is this is someone we need to make sure keeps everyone on the right page in a really important season.
0: You know, you see, there's a difference between, like, Pace and, say, Theo Epstein, right? Theo would have went with the younger asset in that spot and would have parted with the veteran. Even though, as you mentioned, Trevathan brings leadership to the table, but there's been injuries there. Kwiatkowski, he was still raw, but it seems like almost every game he gave you something gave you a play, so he was growing in the position, Kevin, so if it was my choice, I would win with witkowski, especially if the money's even because that's the younger player
2: yeah and you know who I think who else would have done that is Bill Belichick yes you know, he is yeah he is known for knowing the right time to move on from an aging player. Um, Now, Graham doesn't necessarily mean he always pays the younger player. You know, sometimes in those situations, he might go find somebody else. Um, But you're right. I think this is a situation, too, and we saw it with Jimmy Graham. We saw it with Robert Quinn. This is a job security free agency situation. Um, You know, Theo's got a lot of job security, um, Uh you know, down over at Addison and Clark. Uh, Ryan Pace this year. Now, maybe Ryan Pace in 2015, 2016, would have felt more comfortable making this move. But I I think for a a lot of these contracts, Jonathan, I kind of look at it as Ryan Pace being like, you know what? I just got to win in 2020. I'll worry about 2021 if I can still be the GM in 2021. Mm -hmm. In his mind, when I look at every contract, I try to put myself in that frame of mind, which is what makes us better for 2020. And and I think, again, health plays a big role. A healthy Trevathan is better for you, not significantly, but enough. Than Krakowski, and then you deal with the other years the agent wants, um, and you just worry about that another time. I don't think that's necessarily, in a long-term view, obviously a good way to, to manage your team and manage your salary cap, but I'm just trying to uh, you know, speculate the way the, the Bears GM is thinking, knowing that it's hard to be a general manager in this in this league for six seasons and only make the playoffs once. Um, it's a little better if you can get to the playoffs again um, in your sixth season.
0: So, the Bears have like 10 tight ends on the depth chart I see in front of me here. So, the Bears are going to draft one, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, yeah. They have 10 tight ends, Jonathan, but do they have one? <laughs> that, that's, that's the thing. You know, and that was the, the interesting thing, putting this depth chart together, is we started with looking at these positions they've made a big investment in and talk quarterback, tight end, outside linebacker. And, and you can argue they still need to draft guys at all those positions. I, I don't know... Who, I don't know if your 2021 tight end is on the roster now. Going back to what I just said about Ryan Pace, that might not matter to him. Um, but you know, you have a lot of young guys that might show a little upside. You know, guys who played basketball in college, or uh, guys who were undrafted rookies last year. That you know, like a Jesper Horstead or a Dax Raymond. And I mean, you. But are, are any of these guys the real deal? I don't know. I mean, this is this year's version of kicker. And I would not really uh, criticize. I don't. I don't think I would really criticize it if they decided to take a tight end in round two. Um, that someone that they would start right away as your Y tight end. You're moving out from Adam Shaheen. Um, I, again, I, I don't. I don't know if that's out of the realm of possibility because you you don't have a whole lot of answers at that position, even though you have all these guys.
0: So uh, you look at this draft, and sometimes it's hyperbole, but I believe it's true now, Kevin. I, I look at the as I'm a big college football fan. I'll take a look at the wide receivers, the top twelve, twelve, top fifteen. I would say that's on this list in front of me, and I think that a lot of these wide receivers can help a team and, and can really pay dividends. So when I look at um, Allen Robinson, Riley Ridley, uh, Anthony Miller. Can you go and start the season with those three, or would you add someone? Would you look at a wide receiver? Because I'd say Allen Robinson is someone I like, and it's still a question mark about Riley Ridley at the
2: Z. Yeah, you know, when you look at some of these mock drafts around that 43 to 50 range, you see some of those wide receivers there. Uh, You know, some really dynamic players, guys that can step in day one and just bring some necessary speed to this offense. Um, and, and I wonder how tantalizing that's going to be for Ryan Pace and especially Matt Nagy, as opposed to you know maybe an offensive lineman who's going to be who's going to have a redshirt year or a quarterback who's going to have a redshirt year. You know the, the 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 allure of a wide receiver can step in right away, and you know, it, can, it can go for cornerback and safety too, or you potentially starting jobs open. I think it's a really intriguing spot, it's, and mainly because it's such a deep group. Of wide receivers, of guys that could be there when you're on the clock at 43. Um, you know, thinking back to what you said earlier, uh, Jonathan, talking about the tight end, mm-hmm. I think the only two positions that, or I'll say three, the, only, the three positions that I would really scratch my head if the Bears took at 43 would be defensive line, running back, and inside linebacker. I think every other position, um, outside special teams, of course. Is in play and, and wide receiver is right there. You don't know Anthony Miller. He's got he's in rehab, you know, for an injury again. So he's rehabilitating that at Hall's Hall. When is he going to be ready to go? Last year it took him until midseason to really get into it. Riley Ridley, you, you know, if you asked me six weeks ago, I'd feel really good about Riley Ridley. But now with everything going on, he's not going to get that full off season. Um, you know, you've seen what you have in Javon Wims. There's something there, but I'm not sure if he's a, a frontline guy. So you have a ton of question marks, I think, at a position even though you're bringing back all those players. So yeah, when you consider the strength of the draft as receiver and the guys who could be there for you, I would be very intrigued by the the idea of taking a receiver for them um, at one of those two second-round picks.
0: Special teams-wise, gonna. it looks like they're going to go back with Pinheiro, and I think that's... That's a mistake, also. I want, you know, I want 10 kickers like I want 10 tight ends on this team to compete. Pinheiro looked good toward the end, Kevin, but I just, is he really the answer for the long haul? That's an important position for sure.
2: Yeah, you know, I go back to 2017. Uh, you know, Connor Barth was the kicker. He took over for Robbie Gold in 2016, and he was okay. Um, and they, brought, they did bring in an undrafted rookie. Um, and cut him before, before the preseason even started and just kind of gave Barth the job at that point. And I wonder if they, and then we saw what happened. Barth ended up getting cut in the middle of the season. They brought in two or three other kickers that year. It was a, it was a disaster. Um, I, I, I think they should bring in another kicker. I, I don't think, I mean, Eddie Pinheiro finished strong, but, he wasn't necessarily, you know, booting some long kicks in that in that consecutive kick streak at the end of the season. I think you got to bring in another guy. I mean, that, that he, it's not like he's making a ton of money. Kickers are cheap; you can find them anywhere. You find a guy who lights it up, and if Panero is struggling, then you have the option. You do not want to go into a season, or you don't want to be scrambling. We've seen it with this franchise. You do not want to be scrambling at that position if you're not comfortable with your guy. So, you know, I, I, they would love it if Pinheiro is their answer for the next ten to fifteen years, and I get that. But I, I don't know if he showed last year that he should be guaranteed to have that job without competition.
0: Kevin, you say you're working on other uh, draft uh, notes for the Athletic in the next couple of days, right?
2: Yes. Uh, later this week, I'll have something about some of these. You know, you know how Jonathan, they say, draft a quarterback every year, draft yeah. a cornerback every year, draft an offensive tackle every year. The Bears never draft those positions. No. And I'm, I'm kind of looking at those spots in, uh, in particular because they're kind of up this year in terms of draft where you need to bring a guy there. So looking at some of the, the options for them in round two. And then Adam Johnson and I will have our third mock draft, uh, I believe Sunday morning, uh, that should be hitting the Athletics. So stay tuned for that. And everyone should check out uh, Dane Brugler, our draft analyst at the Athletic. His got, draft guide is out. I mean, this thing is incredible detail. He does an amazing job, and that's kind of who we lean on when we talk about some of these players um, as well. So I would recommend everyone take a look at that as well.
0: Is Pace's job uh, being saved in that, uh, in that Bugler piece? Is he, does he have something to save, <laughs> save his job? Anything in there about well, that?
2: No? Well, Dane put out a seven-round mock draft today, and he went with uh, interior offensive lineman, edge rusher in the second round. Uh, which is interesting, and and I I understood what he was going at with those picks. So I'm not sure if that saves Ryan Pace's job. That's why, Jonathan, I am so curious to see what he does. He is so adamant about best player available, but does he stray a little bit from that for a position that he thinks that whoever that player is can contribute right away for a team that needs to win?
0: Kevin, as always, I appreciate our conversation. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
2: Always a pleasure, Jonathan. Take care be safe.
0: Absolutely. Kevin Fishbane from TheAthletic.com with us talking about the Bears and the NFL Draft. Every night at 8 o'clock, we give you something Bears, something NFL Draft. Uh, Coming up next, uh, Eric, you'll like this. What do you consider an essential business? We'll discuss that coming up next right here on Under the Hood.
1: This is Under the Hood. This is
0: me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. You. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app will have Tales from the Hood coming up for you in know, our next half hour. So, Eric, you'll love this. This story is all over the place now. I saw it on Pro Wrestling Sheet. I said sheet, S-H-E-E-T. It says the mayor of Orange County, Florida confirmed that the WWE has been deemed, quote, an essential business during the coronavirus pandemic. So Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings took part in a press conference on Monday where he was asked how WWE has continued to create content while the other businesses are forced to close. Initially, there was a review that was done and they were not initially deemed an essential business with some uh conversations with the governor's office regarding the governor's order they were deemed an essential business so therefore they were allowed to remain open did they give an explanation on what what makes them essential well, in terms of the specifics associated with the wrestling personality who tested positive, I don't know any details about that. Talking about the mayor was asked about whether or not there was an on-screen talent that was not a member of the roster um, that that would COVID-19. He says he didn't have any specifics. No, in this piece, Eric, there is nothing that says why they're deemed an essential business. But it just this goes back to the interview that we just did with Christy Dosh, Right, uh, just a few days ago, last in last week's show, yeah. Because she is a, a sports business person, I asked her why. Because she lived in Florida, So why. Why is the WWE allowed to have WrestleMania in Orlando? Why is Monday Night Raw? And not on top of that, here's let me tell you the story. And this probably should be for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday next, you know, tomorrow night at nine thirty. But I got to give it out now because this is the this is the only live slash sports entertainment that's on right now. Right, so. The WWE was going to tape their shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? They're going to do like four or five weeks of TV for the USA Network and for Fox, right? For Raw and SmackDown. And Vince McMahon, the head of the WWE, is like, nope, nope, we're going to go live. We're going to go live on Monday for Monday Night Raw, which is on right now. We're going to go to live on Wednesday for NXT. We're going to go live for Fox on Friday, so you have your wrestlers sequestered in hotels in the Orlando area for a whole week, waiting to, to, first of all, get on planes, or empty planes. As Jerry the King Lawler said on his Twitter, one of the announcers for the WWE, he called the airline, out because he lives in Memphis, he called the airline in Memphis and said, you know, do you have any flights out of Orlando? And, and the, Orla- people in Orla- the people in Memphis was like, well, what time can you get here?
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, let me just call my pilot, because he ain't doing nothing right now. <laughs> what time can you get here?
0: Jerry called the airline wow. in, 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 called the airport in Memphis, like, can he, is there any flights going out of Orlando? He goes, well, they say, well what time can you he get here? My God, <laughs> what you that's mean? crazy. What, what year is it? I mean, but this is where we are now. So, but the ultimate point is, and I'm going to put this a bow on this and the UFC at the same time. The WWE allowed to be able to run a, an essential business. And you know, this is not like radio where it's just you and I running this show, you making sure that we're staying on the air and me talking. You know that there's hundreds of people in the back on top of one another, running lines, making sure it stays on the air, satellite, everything else, because it's a WWE production. This is not mom and pop. Even though there's, again, no fans in Orlando where they're um, filming this today, Point is though is that they're still gonna just keep keep it running just because it's the WWE and it just shows you the the amount of influence and power and money that Vince has that and, and couldn't care less about his wrestlers that he's just gonna keep it rolling live on USA
1: knowing that COVID nineteen is going on. That really it's it's insane that there were meetings to decide if this was good and then obviously donations were made. I'll say donations, of course. And they said, yes, that it like there's just no you can't say anyone asks why you cannot give a legit reason other than entertainment, question mark. Like there's no legit reason. And and there's like you said, there's going to be lighting crew, camera crew, gaffers, technical directors, producers and not like there's going to be hundreds, 200 people working these events. Like there's no way that they're doing this safely. There can't be.
0: I don't know if I should have broke the fourth, fourth wall. I think that people listening to us thinking that we have like a, a crew of people that's keeping us on the air.
1: No, it's 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 us two and that's it. That's how it is. Pretty much every show right now, everyone's separated. Everyone's at home. Someone's in studio and that's it. That's like, it. The
0: WWE, they don't have the luxury. They are Now, it's again, it's in their performance center in Orlando, and there's no fans there. That doesn't mean anything, though. I mean, while this pandemic's going on, he, here's what really pisses me off about this, is that you are making your wrestlers that's, that don't live in that area fly. Fly during this time where, again, we don't know if it's safe or not. They have to deal with people at the airports or whatever. You're making them fly into Orlando to perform. And uh, throughout this COVID 19. And you have to make sure that all your, your wrestlers are healthy enough to be able to do this. So it's just, it's typical Vince. He's going to probably still try to roll his pay per views and try to get, but it all comes down to money and influence on the other side with the UFC. So here's Dana White. And we were just talking about this last week How how is it that Dana White can be able to fly his fighters to some private island, someplace in. It's not Los Angeles, but some place in, in California on an Indian reservation. It's some private island that he was going to go to, right? Again, no fans, but he was going to try his best to push through UFC 249. And then last Thursday, Dana White announced that uh, UFC would not proceed with that pay-per-view event. The car was planned despite the stay-at-home ordinances throughout most of the United States and was to be headlined by an interim lightweight title fight. Uh, with Gaethje against um, Tony Ferguson, and now that's not going to happen. But he was gung ho about it because we played the sound last week. That guy was ready to go. Somebody, oh yeah, we're going to have this fight, and we're going to have this secret private island. We're going to get the cameras out there. We're going to fly fighters into the island and fly them out after the fights are done. And once again, guys like Dana White and Vince McMahon, they couldn't, they don't understand that it's not about the fighters, it's not about the the wrestlers, it's about the people that are around. They're around the event that you have to be caref- careful of. Like, their health. Are you sure they're healthy enough? Are you sure that they're not sick? Because one person gets sick, now a whole bunch of people get sick. So, so there you go.
1: And Dana White would have gone on with it if it wasn't the networks. The networks are the ones that pulled the plug because they're the ones that have to provide the camera and all the, all the crew because it's their production. So, it took them to pull the plug. Dana White was not happy about it.
0: Thank you, ESPN Disney. Yeah, seriously. Man, <laughs> thank you because who knows? Because because Dana, White, he just wants his event? He just wants his his, his company to just keep moving. That's all. He doesn't care. That's the thing. There is a lack of empathy of some people regarding this. And for for multimillionaires or or what used to be a billionaire for for events, they, they don't care. They just want to have their show. They just they have to have their show, and, and, and despite what's going on with COVID nineteen. And, you know, hey, great. You know, great. You know, you give us some live sports. That's great. But you just can't force feed something through a pandemic. You've got to be able to see some openings here where it's healthy and safe for everybody to be there. The performers and fans eventually when we can get fans to be able to attend these events. All right. We've got Tales from the Hood. We've got a good one, as always, coming up next.
1: Go! Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow us on the grab at IGJ Hood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What do you got, man?
0: This is your car. My car? I said a 10 second car, not a 10 minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the hood with Jonathan Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
1: Here we
0: go. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000. Time for tales from the hood, stories of sports, entertainment, and everything else in between. And uh, so Eric reminded me that uh, the Bulls are playing the Sonics from 95. It's a 96, I believe. 96? Yes. So <laughs> it's just so interesting to, to look at uh, these teams back in the day. And it, it also illustrates something else, Eric, is that there are so many talented teams that just couldn't get over the hump because of the, how dynasty-laden the NBA is. Where it's either Kobe and Shaq, or it's Magic and Kareem, or it's Michael and Scotty. Just the way these dynasties happen, right? Where teams that should have won the championship could not because there's always someone over them. Like, this Sonics team, that's a good team. That's a Sean Kemp team. That's a, that's a Sam Perkins on that team. There's some quality, but they, they were just not as talented because they couldn't get past Michael and Scotty and others.
1: Right. This this year, the, these playoffs, they made a run through the West. Like, they dominated the West and then completely got enthralled by the Bulls. And it's, it's so fun looking at these guys. Like, Luke Longley just... Just post it up, Sean Kemp. Beautiful footwork, little baby hook. It's like it just brings me back. It's great.
0: Well, you know, because Longley was just was dominating on the inside, and they didn't. They went small. They had to bring in the great Frank Brackowski. Brackowski would come in.
1: And yes, the like, great. <laughs> hey, he's a ski. I got. I, he's my guy. Automatically.
0: Yeah, he was a he was a tough guy in the inside. Yeah, he was a very good defender. But they, that was the only size that they had. So I'll ask you this before we move on: Do you sometimes get that? Twitch when you see games in the 90s where it's like I'll highly pass up that 3 think is that what ch- is does that come to your mind what
1: gets me is when they shot fake guy goes by and they take one dribble inside the three and then shoot it and it's like you are your heels are on the three-point line like there was no reason for that step forward at all that that does totally get to me definitely
0: <laughs> no value no value of the three at that time it's no. crazy it's either no confidence or no value in the three at that during the 90s right or, it's or... one of
1: those things where like I feel like if you shot more than three or four a game your coach is gonna get on you for it. Like, don't just stop shooting that ball. Like, we got to get the ball inside. We work inside out.
0: I know it's in the fourth quarter, but there is way too much Luke Longley.
1: That they're showing yeah, yeah. Right now. He's just Sorry. dominating.
0: And that's why the bench mob is all over him now because. You know, because he just is dominating the inside in a blowout, and like the bench is so happy for him because he's never had a game like that. Apparently,
1: I've been able to reappreciate these games so much because in so this was the last '96. I was nine, so like I was young throughout. So I remember like banging pots and pans after when they won and stuff, but couldn't really appreciate how smooth Tony Kukoc really is, how ridiculous uh, Pippen's defense is on everyone. Like I just. I knew of it but being able to watch it as someone who was too young to actually grasp it at the time and I've really enjoyed it.
0: 96, huh? I was also banging pots and pans. There you go. Uh at that time.
1: <laughs> Pardon um, the expression. <laughs>
0: 96. Well, wow, that was a heyday. Uh hey, the, <laughs> hey uh, turn over. Let me put on put on the Bulls game. We're done here. Yeah. Um, sure as I would say. <laughs> it's like uh so on Facebook, Facebook dot com, we asked a question which T V shows or movies did you watch this past weekend during the shelter in place? Man, once again, a long thread of people talking about what the television they watch. Now, I'll, once again, I've always been a small screen guy versus a movie guy. I, I don't understand, Eric, the people that talk about how they've burned through Netflix or they've watched everything on Netflix, which is, it's a lie. You haven't watched everything.
1: They're not That's trying. The thing. There's no way. I'm, I am find stuff every other day. That I'm like, oh, like, I didn't know about this doc or... Oh, I heard this drama. You brought up Insecure on this thread. My wife watches it, but I've actually never gotten into it. And I was like, maybe I should start watching Insecure. It's good.
0: I I, I just watched um, the first uh, the first episode of this season. It was it was tremendous. It was you know Issa Rae is an up and coming star. I think in in television, so I I like that show. Um, But here's the thing, and and it goes back to something we talked about a couple weeks ago with this. I just am trying not to burn through and binge watch a whole season of something in a day. Because I just think we have to be able to, for me, I need to stretch this stuff out. Like, I'm at, I think I got maybe three, four more episodes left of Ozark. I watch another two on Saturday. But I, I was like, you know, it's, it's really good, and I don't want to just burn through a whole Saturday night of it. Then, then what,
1: right? I'm with you. So when this season came, I never watched season two for some reason. I watched one, never watched two. So now I'm chipping away at two. So I've got two and three. I'm about, I think I'm on episode eight of season two. So, like, it's nice that I have this big catalog where I can get through. And I know everyone says season three is terrific. So, like, I'm just chipping away watching an episode maybe every two days, something like that. Yeah, like I, I don't understand. Like, yes, you have time on your hands.
0: You're not working, and you're at home, and you're like, well, I'm just gonna watch a whole season of this. And I just, for a show I enjoy so much, I cannot just go through the whole thing. I just can't. I just gotta be able to, you know, not take it once a week, but like once or twice, a, you know, uh, a week or three shows in a week, I could do that. Um, looking at the list here. And uh, Jay and Courtney also believe that the uh, Insecure is a good show on HBO. I think it's it's really well done. Um, the uh, Mike Pankow says he binged the Big Show show on Netflix. I think that's the Big Show, the wrestler.
1: It is. I'm curious about it. My buddy said he was going to watch it and let me know what he thinks. Uh. It, it's the it's. I don't even know what it is, but the it's the Big Show's show. Uh. I have no idea what <laughs> it is. I see enough
0: wrestling-related content. Yeah, right? just, I don't have time for that. It's, I'm trying to get it all together so I can get Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday off the ground. That's what I'm <laughs> to. Entourage. You, you wanna, here's a secret.
1: You know I've never watched Entourage. I personally, I've watched all of them. I don't think you're missing too much. Oh, come on. Seriously. Really? After, like, season three or four, it's just, I don't know. It's the same thing over and over again. It gets tiresome. It feels like, um, what's the one with The Rock where he's the agent now? Ballers. Yeah. It's very Ballers-esque where it just gets really corny.
0: Uh, Ballers was good at first and then the novelty wore yes, off. Yes,
1: exactly. And that's how I felt about Entourage.
0: Um, there, by the way, Brakowski is already fighting with Rodman. I told you he was tough. <laughs> Borkowski comes in there. Look at him. He's got Look some shoulders
1: on him. See? Ah. M-
0: mixing it up with All Rodman. Right. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I know my '90s basketball. <laughs> he was tough. And look at Rodman now. Now he's Rodman
1: grinning.
0: Rodman is looking uh. at Brikowski on the foul line. Except, <laughs> he's not watching
1: Jordan shoot at all. God, he's, got he's his
0: his the best. <laughs> '90s. Rodman instead of just standing shoulder to shoulder, he's just staring at Brikowski. <laughs> with a grin on his face. How how tremendous is that? Oh,
1: that's awesome.
0: What an irritant.
1: Uh, the dude that's smiling before a fight is the dude you, you're afraid of. <laughs>
0: that's that's the rule. I have not seen Jack Ryan yet. I know it's I good. should be watching Jack yes, Ryan. Yes, it's I'll very good. It. I like that. It's next. Okay. People are voting Ozark. Uh, Rufus says, I'm most of the way through Mad Men. Wow, I've seen all of that. I thought that was tremendous.
1: Mad Men's great. It's a hard... When you're behind, there's so many seasons and the show's so dialogue ridden that it's hard to, from one to, what, eight or something like that, I think yeah. there were. It's a hard one to chip through all the way, but it's a great show.
0: That's a Really, really good show. Um, Anton Collins says, the one-armed swordsman and the new new one-armed swordsman, old karate movies. Okay. Oh. <laughs> 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 Watching some kung fu. That's pretty fun. <laughs> kung fu. what? <laughs> that's a- what? Um, I never would think about that during a no. pandemic. No, nope, no, but out all right. Maybe I'll think about that. Um, office reruns. You know, Mark Jones says Office reruns in Jumanji 2 with the family. Office reruns. That's a good one because I feel like I've seen The, the Office, but I, I've watched some of this recently just as a refresher. I to like me, The Office.
1: Yeah, The Office is fine. To me, The Office is an innings killer. You need something on the TV <laughs> to just kill some time, just crank out 10, five to eight Twenty-minute episodes of The Office, great innings killer.
0: You know what? Also, is a great innings killer, and I can't—I don't want you to dump me, but that—that that show, uh, Blanks Creek. Yes, I—I I know. Exa- I love that show actually. Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm in season three now. I, I was binge watching that for, and that thing's like 21 minutes
1: piece. Oh, it it's so well written. So Eugene Levy, and then the, the son in the show is his actual son in real life. Those two wrote the show. That's his son in real life. Yes, that's his son in real life. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that make it even better? Like, oh, it's so well written. It's a very funny show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is funny I, I like his son is just hilarious
1: oh god he's he's the best
0: character in that show
1: he's so, so good
0: so I was making out with a guy in the barn in the back and uh, I think he likes me
1: uh, his whole description of his sexuality with wine is amazing he's like how he just likes all it's uh, it's just so funny and creative it's awesome <laughs> it's
0: just- he's just, a, just the outfits he wears wears yes. everything else just like <laughs> is that our new car I just I cannot believe this is our new car so you're saying this is our new car yeah. is there a body in the back or, <laughs> um so let me see what else we have uh, David Brown says unbelievable catastrophe season 3 of Killing Eve my weekly fix of the fugitive all he watches the old series from the 60s <laughs> yeah, every kidding. week that's fun that's good Tiger King says Cheryl Grafman uh, she won't World. like what that'll do to her name. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, Cheryl. Thanks. <laughs> um,
0: Jeffrey Wright says X Men Dark Phoenix. I, I have Dark I've been out on that. I gotta watch that. Nope. Um, John John says Ozark, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, Forever Life, and The Connors. I uh, have not seen The Connors
1: since um, Roseanne left. Oh, that's right. I was trying to figure out what it was. No, I haven't. I didn't even know they were still making any. That's at right, the end, though. They were. I remember hearing they were going to, but I did not. I haven't seen any of them. Still cranking out. I think. Yes.
0: Uh, by the way, uh, Brokowski's been thrown out of this game. <laughs> just <laughs> Rob, like that. Got
1: yeah. <laughs> watch. I'll watch you look oh, at the replay. Oh yeah. He just, the right the forearm, right? Yes. You see that that forearm <laughs> right to the throat? Yes. <laughs>
0: Rodman guy. is the best. <laughs> Unbelievable. He got into so many guys' heads. Um, just a quick story, like Alonzo Mourning, when the Bulls would play the uh, the Heat, right? And you see uh, Rodman was shooting the technicals after Burkowski was thrown out. Couldn't care less if he hit the shots or not because he was not a shooter. He just flinging it up there. Did not care. Um, so good. <laughs> Rodman, it would, when the Bulls played the Heat, right? Rodman would grab... Uh, morning from from behind, right, grab his ass, and like morning was just freaked out about it. Really, that's funny. See? It took him out of his game completely. That's
1: great. And, and Rodman again, one of those guys who his sexuality was kind of whatever. So yes. like that probably for people in that age and time freaked him out. Alonzo Morning. For me as a kid, was one of the most terrifying athletes. <laughs> he was so big and always pissed off. So it's interesting.
0: It, it It's just interesting how uh, Mourning just couldn't, did not like to be touched and definitely not by Rodman. Because Rodman was just always irritating him, right? So I thought that was, it was interesting. God, Rodman is a treat to us all. <laughs> and I am a friend of uh, it's, it didn't say Chicago PD. It says Chicago Med and Chicago Fire. Wait a minute chicago pd that's my show hey we've got a problem in bridgeport <laughs> chicago pd that's good hey we gotta get over there because there's an issue by the way i'm a dirty cop i just want you to know i've got ten thousand dollars find this guy for me he's a perp um let's see fall from grace mm, uh let see what else Adam Michael says he's rewatching Dallas, the old show. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> That's, God. Well, times are tough, son. <laughs> re-watching <We're> <laughs> Dallas. What is that? He's, That's yeah, funny. You going back to '78, '79 to watch that? And there's a lot of Ozark on here as well. So yeah, so looking. So everybody. Oh, by the way, someone uh, Ken Ken says I'm kicking the tires on Dexter after the first four episodes.
1: Not really impressed, uh, but I'm going to try one more before I decide. I liked Dexter and it's time. It, the first couple seasons I thought were awesome so
0: so that yeah so that's where we are with as far as the binge Let watching me
1: give you concerned. one suggestion because I don't know this anyone is- that's been talking about it and I watched the whole season and I absolutely loved it. It's on Amazon Prime it's called zero zero zero. It's basically oh. a story about a like, $35 million cocaine deal that the cartel is selling to the Italian mob and a family in New Orleans who owns a shipping company is shipping it. And it's just how all these three families and mobsters and gangsters intertwine and everything. The story is awesome. Are you serious? Yes, I love it. Like, I, I want other people to watch it so I can talk about it with somebody.
0: So, so are you asking me? Anybody here, anybody. here we go. Tweet
1: me. Anyone. Just watch it. It's so good.
0: Okay. So once again, it sounds like you want me to start. <laughs> this is where we start again. Yeah. This is how you got me into Tiger, Tiger King. King. Yep. Okay. Okay. I will I will look for it. It's on Amazon Prime, you yeah, said, right? Yeah, on Prime. Okay. All right. I'm looking it up now. And that is Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN one thousand and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. We'll talk more this January. Oh. Meet the chief behind the truth. We
2: go into the game We week on a Yeah, that's
0: Amazon Prime. That's not the right show. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's it. <laughs> no, that's not it. It's Second World War Diary. I don't know why that popped up. It sounded way too upbeat for that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that music was like bouncing. <laughs> That's not what you're looking for, was it? No. Uh, so coming up, uh, we will have uh, Vincent Goodwill on. We'll get a chance to. It says, "Look at It says, "Buy the second season of Hawaii Five There's no way I'm paying three dollars for Hawaii Five O. I can watch it on T V, <laughs> sir. Bye. Um anyway. Vincent Goodwill on the Bulls coming up at nine o'clock right here on UTH.